Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets and plants that are important to you. This past week, the first paperback-proof copy of my forthcoming 11th novel, Jade Suede, arrived in the mail, and I can't tell you how happy I am to be in the home stretch of the completion of this book. The cover art on the proof copy is generic for now. It's just the uh, title and my name, as the actual final cover artwork is still in progress. But the guts of the book, meaning the formatting, the pages, chapter headings, etc., all look great. I worked very hard on the story. I'm very proud of it. I am not a crap merchant, to use a Tom Sharpling term. When this novel, Jade Suede, is finally made available, I want readers to experience a great story with relatable characters and visceral, entertaining moments. I'm optimistic that both the paperback and ebook versions will be available sometime next month, meaning August 2023. Until then, if you're in need of some excellent summer reading, let me suggest any of my already available self-published novels. Because for those new to this podcast who may not know, there are no ads on People Are the Enemy and there is no Patreon set up for it. If you love the show, and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily, the best way to do that is to purchase any or all of my books. There are ten titles currently available worldwide in both paperback and ebook formats via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find and purchase all ten of my novels in ebook format at Google Play. Just search my last name, which is spelled M-A-S-C-O-L-A. That's how you'll find my books on Google Play. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. people are the enemy listeners. This is episode 289 of the greatest podcast in the world, People Are the Enemy. Thank you so much for checking it out. You're in the right place. You are now rocking with the best. What else can I tell you? You already know. They don't know. Heck with them. Let's screw for a moment, shall we? Tell me about the old woman, Frank Black. Where did she live? Oh, really? You don't say. Do you ever ask her anything? Mm-hmm. What does she say to you? Take it down. For those unaware, that that was is the Pixies from their album Bossa Nova. Probably, probably my least favorite of those uh, first uh, four albums. What is it? Four or five albums? 
You got, well, you got Surfer Rosa. I mean, if you count, come on, Pilgrim. Uh, was that a full album or was that like a mini album? Come on, Pilgrim. Then Surfer Rosa. Then Doolittle. Then was it was a Bossa Nova? After was it Bossa Nova after Doolittle? Yeah, I think it was eighty nine. Then ninety Bossa Nova, and then Trompe Le Monde. That's five altogether, but maybe four studio full-length albums, and then maybe we call Come On Pilgrim a mini-album or an EP, I guess. But, oh my God, did I love those albums. Holy smokes. I say, I say Bossa Nova was my least favorite of those initial Pixies albums, the ones that all featured Kim. Kim I'm meaning Kim Deal on bass and songwriting and singing. Uh, and it's probably because she's featured so little on Bossa Nova. Strangely enough, you know, she's barely on there. And, uh, you know, I, I, I put, I put the Breeders, meaning Kim's band outside of the Pixies, uh, toe to toe, uh, I, well, sorry, I put the Breeders album pod toe to toe with any of the best, uh, Pixies albums of that initial run. It's just as good as those albums. And I love Doolittle. I love Doolittle and I love Surferosa. I heard these albums as they came out. I think I probably I probably heard Surferosa when it first came out and fell in love with it. I had it on a cassette. I'd walk around with it blasting in my eardrums as a teenager. I just went nuts over it. That album and that band, you know, they were from Boston and I I am from the Boston area. I grew up in Massachusetts. And then I went to high school just over the border in New Hampshire. But not a lot of support or love for the Pixies at all. You know, not even on like, like I was listening to Boston Alternative Radio. And yeah, you'd hear a single, you know what I mean? You'd hear, here comes your man, you know, or you'd like watch MTV all day <laughs> just to catch like a, like a Pixies music video. Like maybe once here comes your they show here comes your man a day and you'd have to watch like for four hours just to see it once. Yeah, not a lot of love or support for that music, unfortunately. And it's wonderful. I'd say like you know the the Pixies were probably my Beatles. You know, and I know people would say that's uh that they'd say I'm sorry for you. Well, maybe you're sorry for me, but no, I was there when those albums were were dropping one at a time, and I was there to catch them. And yeah, when they came out, that was my world. That was it. I had a Walkman and I had those tapes. And uh, that got me through those high school years. Right up through Trump Le Monde. I never got to see the band. Well, not in the initial... That initial uh, run. No, nor after. I don't know if I'd have any interest. I, I attempted to listen to the Pixies after Kim Deal was... Left? Or was she uh, forced to leave? Or did she leave on her own cognizances? I don't know. Regardless, I, I I never really bothered. I listened to some of Frank Black's solo albums. When I say some of them, I listened to the first one there. That I think it was self-titled, right? I thought that was very good. And then uh, Teenager of the Year, that double album. I thought that was incredible. And then I think he put out one called Cult of Ray. And at that point, I said, oh, I think I'm uh, I think I'm all set. <laughs> I think I'll move on to other things. And I did. Just having some water here. I've had a hell of a week.
comparatively. Understand, like, people have had much, much worse weeks than this. <laughs> when, I say, when I say I've had a bad week, it's, you know, uh, yeah, put it in perspective. You know, it, it's, it was a, a frustratingly busy week for myself, if only because my car is kaputski. Yeah. The transmission is gone. It's done. Yeah, it runs. It runs terribly. And I'm not, you know, I've got a, I've got close to an hour commute every day to work and from work, also about an hour, just under an hour. I'd say about, you know, 45, 50 minutes, depending on traffic. Sometimes, sometimes will traffic will, will push it to an hour, but, uh, you know, I can't, I can't, it, it's, it's so bad now. The transmission is so bad. I can't afford to risk driving it and having a problem on the highway. I would, I will not get to work on time, you know? And uh, my car is super old. I know I've talked about it before. I probably talked about it a lot last episode. And uh, I don't like to harp on it, but um, yeah, it's 20 years old. Has close to 250,000 miles on it. I assessed the value on it. I think it's valued at $678. <laughs> That's how much my car is worth on like Kelly Blue Book. I think you can get up to like 1200 I may be lucky enough to get up to $1,200 on a trade-in on it. But uh, they haven't even given me a quote on the new transmission. I had the car at my mechanics for three days, and they were too busy. They, were, they, they weren't busy enough to at least get in it, start it, drive it around for a little bit, and say, yeah, it's the transmission. Well, that was kind of obvious. But uh, they have yet to give me a quote on it, and I've got the feeling it's going to be more than the value of the car. And the rule of thumb is that if the cost to repair your vehicle is uh, 50% of the value of the car or more, you probably sh should start looking for a new car. So this past week, I had to get around, I had to borrow three different cars just to get to and from my job and uh, be able to do the things I needed to do. And those cars were my wife's car, my father's car, <laughs> and my mother's car. I'm fortunate to have two parents who are still on this side of the dirt and who are both driving still, but also who are both retired and do not always need their cars. So, so I was fortunate. Thank you, Mom and Dad. I don't know what I'd do if my folks weren't around. I'd probably, I'd probably have to rent a car, and that would cost some dough. You know what I mean? Uh, so fortunately, I've got, I've got folks, but uh, it was a lot of finagling. It was a lot of going from here to there to dropping people off to picking people up and having me dropped off and picked up and the cars moved around because my parents are in different sides of where I live. One's about 30 minutes south and the other's like 30 minutes, well, 30 minutes like west of me. So it was a lot of back and forth, to and fro. It wasn't fun. But uh, at this point, I've got mom's Saturn. Yes, it's a Saturn. Do you remember Saturns? <laughs> My mom's car is almost as old as mine. I think it's like a 2005. Mine is a, a 2004 or 2003. I think it might be 2003. Or maybe I got it in 2003 and it's a 2004. I don't remember. But uh, yeah, mom's Saturn is very old. And it's very loud. Because I think the muffler is gone, or it's ready to uh, to fall off the car. But, uh, hey, beggars can't be choosers. I'm fortunate. She doesn't need it. And I'm able to use it to get around until I figure my car situation out. Which I think, as soon as my mechanic comes back and gives me a quote 
on a, uh, whoops, that was my phone. Sorry about that. I'm recording the show rather late. <sighs> Gives me a quote on a transmission, which I, I, again, assume will be astronomical and uh, not worth the cost to fix on a car that, again, is probably uh, 670, worth $678. <laughs> then I will, uh, I will then begin shopping and hopefully be able to trade in my car and get something else that will give me reliable transportation to and from work. But for the time being, I am all set. But again, thank you, Mom and Dad. I am very lucky. And I realize that. And I have very little to complain about in terms of, uh, in terms of my, my car situation. And uh, that's about it. There's not a whole lot. What is this? Do you want to allow this app to make changes to your device? What is this? No. Take me away from that. i got to play something on this laptop for the people. Yeah, I don't, I don't have much for you this week. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a hectic week in terms of, again, getting around. <laughs> so so uh, I've had to make a lot of arrangements. Fortunately, the editing on the book is done. It's now in the hands of my wife. And uh, hopefully she will be finished with her part, which is finding anything I may have missed. And uh, hopefully the artist will have his job done in terms of the artwork, the cover art, soon. And this thing will be pushed out into the world. But I did want to play this one clip for you. I found this and I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I should um, I should tell you exactly what it is before I play it, because so I don't forget. This is a woman named Joanna Sternberg. You may have heard her new album, I've Got Me, which is fantastic. And this is from a small film that uh, came up on my YouTube recommendations called No One Really Knows You. It's a short profile of this uh, this artist. I say artist because she's a musician, and she's uh, she also draws. And uh, if you love music like Kimya Dawson, Daniel Johnston, am I saying that right? Why am I not remembering? Daniel Johnston, yeah. Jan Daniel Johnston, Kimya Dawson, that kind of precious anti-folk then you may find something to really enjoy here. But this is this is a clip of Joanna talking about art. And, uh, you know, I like to play funny clips, but this was more thoughtful, and it, it kind of resonated with me, and I thought it was worth sh sharing. So again, this is uh, from a short film called No One Really Knows You, and this is uh, a woman by the name of Joanna Sternberg, and uh, here she is talking about uh, art. Okay, is that going to play? Pardon me. Sorry, folks. Let's try that again. The word art and music, I feel, um, I feel there's, I just, I've been having problems determining what is art and what isn't art, for example, what is music and what isn't music, because some, I think it's an opinion, the word, and I think anything could be art or music, really. Just like to think of what if there's other words for it. Because I think a lot of people think they're not good at art, or they're not good at music. A lot of people say that I'm bad at music, I'm bad at art, because they were told, some teacher told them when they were 10, you know, this kid can't draw, or they got a C in art class in elementary school, and what, and I didn't get a good grade in art class in elementary school, and now I get paid to draw. I feel like the words can cause people to have their feelings hurt and think they can't do things they can do, and also I think for some reason in America, artists, it's a weird thing where they get treated with more and less respect. Like more, 
respect as socially, but less financially. Because I think it's uh, the same thing sort of as medicine. It could save lives. Like, songs have saved my life. I'm not going to guess if they've saved yours, but they probably certainly helped. Uh, I think music is powerful and healing. And it could have saved everyone's life. I just am not in anyone's brain. So I don't know what anyone's been through. So I don't assume anyone's dealt with certain things I have. Maybe everyone has. Maybe some people have. I, I just can't assume anything, really. So I like to think of everyone as an artist and everyone as a genius and everyone is smart. No one's stupid. No one is ugly. I don't like certain words. And I think certain things being defined as music and others not, certain things being called art, others not being called art, is not fair. So I, but at the same time, I don't know what art or music is. I just don't know what it is. So I just feel weird. I don't know if everything is art, if nothing is art, I don't know. And I've, maybe I'll never know, but it's something I think about a lot. That was uh, Joanna Sternberg. And uh, obviously you could hear some of the music being played underneath there. And uh, again, if you like artists like Kimia Dawson, Daniel Johnston, uh, check out Joanna Sternberg. Her album, I've Got Me, is excellent. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. And uh, thanks for spending time with me. I'm going to hand things off now to our friend, Rachel from Des Moines. And she is going to give you the chart chat. So without any further ado, take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened last week, including Jill, Sherry, and Jeffrey, who all had some nice comments, and to Mary, who shared that she had been catching up with People Are the Enemy episodes. So far, everyone who replied agrees that, like a hobo I was born to walk alone, is super weird. So good on David Coverdale for going back to the drawing board on that one. Our 70s chart this week is from July 9th of 1977, but I want to take a quick pause and tell you about an album that came out on July 7th of 77, which was Going for the One by Yes. Uh, this album said it was said to be, I've always thought it was 7777, but then some other sources say it was July 15th, so maybe one was UK, one was US. This album had two singles released from it. In the UK, uh, Wondrous Stories peaked at number seven and the title track at number 24. Uh, neither of them made it on, even from what I could tell, the Bubbling Under chart in the US. Although here the album made it to number eight in October of this year. And in the UK, it was a number one album. I would recommend this one to, for someone who is, maybe they've heard the, kind of the big three of the Yes songs that get played on the radio, but they want to learn more. They've got three songs under 10 minutes, one song under five minutes, and then you've got the 15 plus minute epic of Awaken. I think you'd really enjoy it. Getting into the picks, we're going to start off with at number 78, Gonna Love You More by George Benson. That made it to number 71. This is the fourth single from George Benson's 16th album, In Flight. The song was written by Morris Feelings Albert, who included it on his 1974 album, but was not released as a single. This has that classic George Benson guitar sound. It seems similar to his instrumental Breezin from the previous year, but it has a very solid vocal performance as well. In Flight has all songs written by other artists, but uh, I do know that George Benson write, wrote songs from some of the other albums. At number 70 is a song called Something About You by LeBlanc and Carr, and they were a duo consisting of Lenny LeBlanc and Pete Carr. And this project was short-lived with only one album, Midnight Light, but it produced three singles, including this and the number 13 hit Falling. LeBlanc went on to the Christian music industry, 
Uh, but Pete Carr, he had been a successful session musician in Muscle Shoals before and after their partnership. Uh, and he worked with a ton of different artists, um, including, uh, it jumped out at me, Sail Cat, that we covered a couple weeks ago with their song Motorcycle Mama. Uh, Pete Carr was a studio musician, artist, composer, engineer, and producer. I definitely recommend giving his Wikipedia page a read. He'd had a friendship with uh, the Allman Brothers. And then LeBlanc and Carr themselves were connected with uh, Leonard Skinner and had been touring with them. And according to a citation needed comment, it said they were supposed to be on the Skinner plane that crashed. Um, so I'm really curious to know if that's true. And this song itself, I just enjoyed it because Filing is a very slow song, but this is pretty up-tempo. And I learned that it was originally done by the Four Tops and written by the power songwriters Holland Dozier Holland. And I listened to the Four Tops version, and they're very different. It really speaks well to the songwriting that they can have these two different arrangements that both uh, are, are very enjoyable. At number 68, we have something for the Philly listeners. This is Gonna Fly Now, theme from Rocky by Maynard Ferguson. It's at number 68 this week, and make it to number 28. So this is a trumpet legend Maynard Ferguson's cover of Bill Conti's original, um, which is also on the chart this week at number four, down from peak of number one. Uh, Maynard Ferguson's version is from his album Conquistador, and I researched a little bit, and I think the Conquistador song off that one is probably more the one that marching bands play and not Procol Harum, but maybe it's, maybe it's a mix. I don't know. Uh, Maynard Ferguson is known for hit the high register that he plays on the trumpet, and he actually, um, his Wikipedia page is definitely worth a read. He had a fascinating life. One of the big things that jumped out at me was he was involved, he and his wife uh, were involved with uh, Timothy Leary's experiments, and he's mentioned in the electric Kool-Aid acid test. Uh, Maynard Ferguson also had a song called Rocky II Disco from 1979 that made it to number 82. At number 58 is Lady, in parentheses, Put the Light on Me by Brownsville Station. That made it to number 46. This was the first single from their sixth studio album, simply called Brownsville Station. They are best known for Smoking in the Boys' Room, a number three hit from 1974. The group was formed in Ann Arbor. And for some reason, based on the name, I assumed they were from Texas, but I may have been confusing it with the city of College Station, Texas. I kind of just like this one. I remembered it from... You know, the last time we were through the summer of 77, and I learned that the group reunited in 2012 with an album called Still Smoking. At number 51, we have Thelma Houston with her song, If It's the Last Thing I Do. This is the follow-up to Don't Leave Me This Way from Thelma Houston's 1976 album, Any Way You Like It. And I like how this song shows her range. Uh, this is a, being a very jazzy type of song compared with Don't Leave Me This Way as a disco belter classic. Um, the arrangement is playful and it shows off the strength and beauty of her voice. Thelma uh, Houston is from Mississippi, but she grew up in Long Beach, California with uh, three sisters. And I learned that she also performed sketch comedy in a TV show called The Marty Feldman Comedy Machine. Up next from 77, a few songs, a couple songs that people probably may already know. At uh, number 39 is Telephone Line by ELO. That would make it to number 7. This was ELO's 10th charting single in the U.S. And at the time, it was their uh, biggest hit here. This was from their sixth album, A New World Record. And there's a quote that I read. So I saw this on Wikipedia about the sound effect of the ringing phone. 
With ELO's continuing success in America, it seemed obvious to frontman Jeff Lynne to use an American ringtone during the song. Lynne explained, To get the sound on the beginning, you know, the American telephone sound, we phoned from England to America to a number that we knew nobody would be at just to listen to it for a while. On the Moog, we recreated the sound exactly by tuning the oscillators to the same notes as the ringing of the phone. People my age may know this one best from being in Billy Madison in the scene when Billy calls uh, a character played by Steve Buscemi to apologize for past treatments. And uh, finally from 77 this week at number 14 is Best of My Love by The Emotions. That would go on to be a number one hit. And again, this is pretty well known, but I wanted to include it to educate the 90s fans who are more familiar with Mariah Carey's 1991 hit Emotions, which uh, so clearly ripped off Best of My Love that it led to an out-of-court settlement between the songwriters of both tunes. It's like if you're going to rip somebody off, don't put their name of the band in the name of your song. It's kind of a clue. For our 80s chart this week, it's July 11th of 1981, and starting off at number 91 is What You Gonna Do For Me by Shaka Khan. That would make it to number 53. This was the lead single and title track from Shaka Khan's third solo album. The song was written by Ned Doheny, along with Hamish Stewart of The Average White Band. This song is extremely funky, and it's just what you want from a Shaka Khan jam. This is a number one R&B hit, and it made number 27 in New Zealand. That was the only international chart position that I saw. I learned there's a demo version that came out in 2014, which had been, had been recorded in 1980 by Doheny, backed up by the average white band. At number 72 is a song called Nicole by the group Point Blank, and that made it to number 39, just cracking the top 40. I included this because I can remember hearing it on our local classic rock station, KGGO, and I never really knew who it was by. I learned that Point Blank were from Irving, Texas, and they were just touring monsters. They were doing 200 plus gigs a year. And this was their only Hot 100 appearance, but five of their albums made the Billboard Top 200 album chart. At number 55 is Cool Love by Pablo Cruz. That would make it to number 13. This was the San Francisco-based band's final Top 40 appearance to date. And for me, it's probably in my top two Pablo Cruz songs alongside Don't Want to Live Without It. I feel like this is a sweet and romantic ballad, and it's perfect for summer. And finally, from the 80s, another song perfect for summer at number 28 is The Stroke by Billy Squire. That made it to number 17. This one, I feel, is definitely known, but people may dismiss it as something dumb and sexual. But if you read the lyrics, it's really another, hey, the music biz is awful and run by jerks song, like Don't Call Us, We'll Call You Before It and Richard Marx's Don't Mean Nothing After. Although, that doesn't mean it doesn't sound good coming out of a car window on a summer's evening's drive. Well, that's all for me this week. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. As always, awesome stuff. This has been episode 289 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace.